The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers who are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. We use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who's on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsofLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here on Friday morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so, sonsoflibertyradio.com and also sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you are on Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com, scroll down on the right side of the page. If you're using a mobile app, you're going to need... Uh, one that can get you a desktop version, such as Google Chrome or something like that, where you can see the right side of the page there. And you'll notice there are two videos that are up. One is going live down here at the bottom, and that is the morning show. That's what we're on now. If you want to click on that, you can join us on the chat, or in the chat, as well as you can see the faces made for radio right here. And then right above that is Bradley's show, his comes on at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, but you can see yesterday's show. He's on the road. Uh, he's all over the place, Michigan and Ohio and Tennessee this week uh, that he's going to. In fact, he called me up last night. What, 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 what's up with you people? You want to know how tall I am? <laughs> I found that kind of comical. Uh, I'm about six foot. I come up to about his chest. Uh, Bradley's a big boy. And uh, so, yeah, I'm about six foot uh, for all of you who are wondering. Um, and just above that, <clears throat> we've got a place where you can subscribe to our email. We don't rent your email out. We don't sell it to people. We don't spam your email. You get one email a day. That's it. We send you all the articles we do for the day, and that includes the morning show archive. I archive that stuff for you guys every morning. You get the video. You get the podcast. You get any of the website links, documents, videos, any of this stuff that we talk about on the show you get it all in one little package there. So you can go and uh, you, you can do your own research for the things that we're telling you. Because, you know, as, <clears throat> as Paul taught the Bereans, they were, uh, they were really praised for the fact that they didn't just say, okay, Paul is a teacher, he knows what he's talking about. They went to the scriptures to see whether or not these things were so. And so the same thing happens with anything that you're told. You want to go see, are these things so? Or I don't want to believe them just because Tim says them, not that maybe you don't trust me or whatever. But the fact of the matter is we want you to do your own diligence and your own research and things 
And so that's why we provide it for you. Now, if you agree with the Sons of Liberty Media's message, the Bible and the Constitution, that's what we point to, not political parties or political jerseys that people wear, then if you want to and you have the ability to, we would ask that you donate to our uh, cause here. There's a donate button at the top of sonsoflibertymedia.com. You can click that, make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us and become a son or daughter of liberty. That link is also at sonsoflibertymedia.com. And then we have a store. It's got the books, CDs, DVDs, shirts, coffee mugs, all kinds of stuff. You can equip yourself with some of the books and um, uh, tools that we have in there. You can also buy some gifts for somebody that actually are good conversation starters about our history, uh, about the gospel, about the Constitution, all of these kinds of things, things that build people up, not tear people down. If you want to go to our store, that also supports the Sons of Liberty, and we appreciate your support very, very much. Now, if you want to catch the live video feed also, you can do it on Twitter at FPPTim, FPPTim on Twitter. People have asked me, why isn't it coming up on your personal Facebook page? Well, you know what the Facebook Nazis are doing. We we went through three or four accounts to try to just stream it out on Sons of Liberty uh, Facebook. So we were coming to the end of that. Facebook has had me on ban for almost 30 days. They just gave me another thing, even though I haven't been posting uh, on the 17th. Was that yesterday? The day before yesterday. Oh, your stuff violates it. You wouldn't. I could actually show you. Maybe I will one day. Uh, they said I was dangerous. I was putting out dangerous information for saying that Bill Gates was using the same kind of uh, tactics to go after climate change that he did, the climate change hoax, as he did on the coronavirus hoax. That I'm the one that's dangerous, but yet he's the one who's backing vaccines that are killing people, giving adverse effect. But I'm the dangerous guy for pointing that out. Yeah, okay. That's what's going on there. Periscope and Twitch. You can catch us at Setting Brush Fires. Facebook at Bradley Dean SOL. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, even though we're not streaming over there. Uh, Bradley Dean. Before it's news.com, we're on the front page. DLive.tv at The Sons of Liberty and Cutting Edge TV on Roku. If you're on that and you want to watch us there, we appreciate those guys for carrying us as well. All right, now, guys, I got a, a full show, and the guys are night owls. I know that. I've already, I've already spoken with one of our guests, and uh, they're night owls, and so uh, I know they're tired. But uh, we, we brought them on, and they said they may can stay a little over, so I know Bethany's happy to hear that. <laughs> We're going to go over a little bit maybe with the show. We'll see what happens with it. But let me give them a proper introduction. Bear with me just a little bit to give this information, because I do think that they give um, a, a very brief bio, but there's some important information here. David uh, Meiswinkle is the President Executive Director of the Lawyers Committee for 9-11 Inquiry, a nonprofit corporation dedicated to transparency and accountability related to the crimes of 9-11. He is a United States Army veteran, a former New Jersey police officer for 23 years, a whistleblower, and a licensed attorney in New Jersey since 1989, concentrating the past 10 years on criminal defense. <clears throat> During the summer of 2015, David and friend Pamela Sinzi dedicated Truth Walk to the memory of the 9-11 victims and their families, the, rest, the restoration of our Constitution, and the creation of a better society. They hiked the 9-11 crime scene trail approximately 440 miles, starting their venture in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, scene of the crash of United 93, camping and filming the experience and documenting the conversations about 9-11 they had with people they met along the backwoods of the Potomac River to Washington, D.C. Then... 
After changing gear, they walked the highways up through Baltimore, Philadelphia, and New Jersey across the George Washington Bridge and down to Ground Zero in lower Manhattan. They also possibly they're possibly the only people who have walked the 9/11 crime scene area route. We also have Mick Harrison joining us. Mick Harrison is a litigation director for the 9/11 or excuse me, the Lawyers Committee for 9/11 Inquiry as well as a public interest lawyer in private practice. Attorney Harrison has more than 28 years of experience litigating and investigating whistleblower protection cases, environmental protection cases, and government and corporate misconduct cases nationwide. For those 28 years, Attorney Harrison has represented and assisted citizen groups and whistleblowers in their efforts to expose violations of the law, amen, and conduct by government and co- misconduct by government and corporate corporate officials. Attorney Harrison has also litigated Freedom of Information Act cases, False Claims Act cases, and class action cases for workers' rights. Attorney Harrison's former clients include Sierra Club, Greenpeace, Vietnam Veterans Organization, and the Chemical Weapons Working Group, all of which are national nonprofit organizations. Mr. Harrison has represented whistleblowers who have disclosed violations of law, dangers to public health and the environment, and fraud and corruption in the area of chemical and biological weapons, worker safety at nuclear facilities, endangered species protection, environmental crimes. He's, he's done a lot of stuff here. <laughs> let's, let's welcome to the Sons of Liberty, David Miswinkle and Mick Harrison. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Morning, Tim. I'm glad that you guys could join me here uh, this morning to talk about what you guys are doing. And uh, okay, thank you for letting me know that. I will check D Live in just a moment when we turn it over to our guests here. I'm glad that you guys could join us this morning. That's a lot to introduce, but I think it was important because you gave me brief bios, but uh, it gets to the heart of what you guys are, are have been doing. Uh, I'm sure that that hike took quite a while. That's 400 something miles. That must have took a while. But can you kind of open up and tell people? How you got into you guys got together doing what you're doing on this whole edition um, issue of 9/11 inquiry and why it's so important to the American people. Right, I think Tim, each of us uh, on our board come to uh, our organization from a little different perspective. For myself, I, I was, a, as I said, a former police officer, as far as you mentioned, but I've always been interested in uh, in basically truth and justice. And when we talk about transparency and accountability, it sort of translates. It seems that, uh, you know, to understand things, you have to put them in a context. And that could be a whole different show, a whole whole, whole entire show. But reference to the crimes of 9-11, it was the most egregious attack ever on the American public. And uh, a lot of people were really upset about it. There's an organization called Crime uh, Architects and Engineers. And uh, they had done some really uh, fantastic work. And uh, it was time for, I think, lawyers to band together and do something. So uh, Mick Harrison and, and Jane Clark actually incorporated the organization, set it up. They asked a few other attorneys to come in. I was one of the, the attorneys. At that time, I was uh, very busy, and I really didn't want to get that involved. Uh, but as things uh, developed, uh, you sort of had to get involved. Uh, why it's important is that uh, since 9-11, uh, we've been redirected, our country, at least in my estimation, and the essence of our democracy is, is being challenged on that day and every day since. So what we're trying to do is basically investigate the crimes that were never properly investigated, take them into court, 
for uh, uh, taking to the Congress and see if we can get a follow-up, a, a truly better investigation. There's a lot at stake here, though, uh, for the freedom of all our all Americans. And actually, as as the world uh, looks at us, it's a lot of a lot at stake for the entire world. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, one thing we want to note, though, is we're not a democracy here. The, the Constitution outlaws a democracy. It guarantees a Republican form of government, and that's not the GOP folks. A Republican form of government, we're governed by law, not by the majority, if, as it were. And I think what you're, what you're out for here is the issue of we want to know the truth. And we haven't been given the truth. And a lot of people say, well, what do you think about 9-11? Well, my perspective is I think there's there probably were Islamists that were used, but they were handled by their, their handlers in the CIA, and it was an inside job. There's no way. I mean, is people are people really so dull? The, the word is stupid we used to use. Uh, dull and, and lacking the ability to, to think here, David, to think that, some guys just hijacked four planes, um, you know, flew them into buildings, and the other one didn't quite make it or whatever. At least that's the narrative that we're given. And since then, nobody's done anything like that at all. I, I just and and then you have all the stuff that surrounds that the the military maneuvers and all this. Is anybody so dull to not see that the attack is not really on who we're told are the enemies? The attack is on the American people, and we see it every time we go get on a plane to fly. The attack is right there in our face. It's it's a violation of the Fourth, uh, possibly even the Fifth Amendment uh, rights that we have and other rights that are attacked every time we go just to the airport. And I remember a veteran saying, well, we haven't had any planes flown into buildings yet. <laughs> I said, yeah, but do you know all the stories of all the junk that people have taken on planes that you guys missed because you're playing political theater here. We don't want to get into that, but I, I just want people to think about that. Now, you guys, you and Mick, ha- have something going on now. You're tying together, and some people have sort of, uh, I guess, pushed this back to the side. You're tying together the anthrax attacks that happened, what, a week after 9-11. Right. And I want to remind the audience, the generation, when I when 9-11 happened... I was down paying uh, property taxes, which are immoral. <laughs> I could go a whole hour on that thing. With my two young boys, one was, I think he was about five or four, something like that, and the other one was smaller than him. And we had just done that. That generation has grown up. Okay, a new generation has come up that doesn't know anything about it. They're like the generation that came after the JFK assassination. They kind of they see it in history in retrospect that it's a part of history, but it wasn't part of their lives. The generation that's grown up now has, has many of them remember that, even as young kids, and others don't. Can you show people what is the connection here with what happened to anthrax? Because I'm sure that generation doesn't even remember the anthrax stuff as to as to the connection here between that and 9-11. Sure. Uh, Dave, I'll start and you can chime in there. So, Tim, the the first connection is timing. You noted that the anthrax attacks happened right after 9-11. Actually, a week, within a week of 9-11, the anthrax attacks mailing started. And that's not a coincidence, uh, we suspect, because the anthrax attacks, as you may remember, were first blamed on Islamic terrorists, just like 9-11 was blamed. 
on Islamic terrorists. But within a few weeks, the evidence started coming out that the anthrax came from a U.S. military installation and that it appeared to be a domestic attack, not a foreign attack. And that changed the narrative quite a bit. But the bottom line is, just like the 9-11 attacks were a primary motivation to justify the war against Iraq and Afghanistan and this ongoing war on terror, which, as Dave mentions, has been used for the Patriot Act and to take away a lot of our constitutional rights. Yep. The, uh, the anthrax attacks were used for the same purpose. A lot of folks don't realize that, but it was the second scare within a week that terrorized the nation. And it was initially blamed on the same perpetrators, even though that was false. But it had the desired effect of motivating the public to support these invasions and the war on terror and the Patriot Act. So uh, for me, that's the primary connection. Dave may want to add to that. Uh, right. Uh, you know, you, we mentioned the uh, the Kennedy assassination. And in, in our lifetime, again, Tim, I don't know how old you are, but uh, uh, the Kennedy assassination and the 9-11 attacks were the two most uh, sensational and most terrible events, I think, that the nation actually suffered. And both of those events, at least in my opinion, redirected history, redirected our country. Yeah. And, and were never properly investigated. So as uh, what we've done with the Lawyers Committee, uh, again, Mick and I can speak as individuals, but as a Lawyers Committee, there are certain things that we have done. And uh, one has to do with the study of the evidence available at, on, uh, in the World Trade Center complex. <clears throat> and we found that to be uh, those buildings, those massive buildings, uh, building uh, North Tower One, uh, Building Two, which is the South Tower, and Building Seven, uh, they were brought down uh, from our studies by controlled demolition bombs and explosives. Yep. That's, that's our position. Uh, and uh, in reference to the anthrax, in our study, uh, we found that we had a really good uh, anthrax committee, uh, really good professionals on that committee. Uh, we found that the alleged suspect, Bruce Ivins, appears to have been an innocent man, a patsy, a scapegoat, that the FBI corrupted the investigation and obstructed the investigation, and that it's necessary to get the Department of Justice uh, basically uh, because of the conflict with the FBI to get some kind of independent investigation in there. We believe that uh, they did bring uh, the, uh, the Patriot Act in and the wars on terror. So they re totally redirected our nation uh, in reference to uh, making this attack as sort of a one-two punch. First, the uh, attacks in, in New York City and uh, the uh, Shanksville crash and the Pentagon, and then within a week, uh, all of a sudden, there's a launching of anthrax. The second launching of anthrax with that was at two U.S. senators, Daxon Leahy, which was a very powerful and potent anthrax this country had never seen up to that time. Okay, now with that, for people who don't remember, there were some people who died in that. It, it wasn't a large number of people, and it's long forgotten, I guess. You want to tell people about how that came how that came about as well? Sure. Uh, Mick, you want to start it off? Sure. So, Tim, the, the anthrax attacks appeared to be designed to attack the media and then Congress, but the actual uh, 
deaths that resulted were apparently unintended victims, people in the postal system. Primarily, there was also a death of uh, Mr. Stevens in Florida with the AMI, which was also a media, a media entity. So, you know, there were five, ca- five deaths, about 17 additional infections that are known. Thousands of people had to take antibiotics as a preventative because they may have been exposed. And that was the, um, the extent of the casualties that are known. But um, I guess the, the thing that, that disturbs us the most was it was an attempt to assassinate two senators that ended up killing innocent people. And we still don't know. The bottom line is, based on our uh, petition to Congress, which we filed uh, a few months ago now, uh, the perpetrators are still out there. They didn't catch the wrongdoers, and they, they're free to you know, commit a crime like that again until they are caught which is why we're calling for a new investigation. Gentlemen, let me let me throw something in here. Can we conf- can we actually confirm the deaths of the people from the anthrax? Can we actually confirm that are there obituaries were there funerals that were held and and things of that nature? The reason I ask, you know, this past week I went back, I'm still looking for an obituary for this this lady that's alleged to have been shot at the Capitol, Ashley Babbitt. I can't find one. I find fake ones where they, you know, sites put it up and then they say, we can't confirm her death and stuff. But anybody else, I mean, I can find no-name people uh, that, you know, just, they die randomly. You can put their name in a search engine for an obituary. You can find an actual obituary. Usually Legacy.com is where a, a lot of the major newspapers go for that. I can't seem to find it. Can we confirm any of these deaths? Because, David, you and I talked about even some of the people on 9-11, some of the issue there. Maybe we'll get into some of that conversation, too. Can we confirm any of these deaths from the anthrax attacks? Well, I, I don't think we've tried to confirm them other than to read the reports that we've, we've read. Uh, there is some uh, certainly some suspicion as to one of them. Uh, that was Robert Stevens. We're still looking at that down in Florida. Uh, we, uh, our, our investigation showed that there was two launchings, uh, one in uh, around September 18th, and that was to New York. It was a crude brown substance. And then there was a, another launching uh, shortly after Cheney had instructed Daxel that he wanted the Patriot Bill uh, passed by October 5th. And this was about 8th, October 8th or 9th. In between there, there was a, a fellow named Robert Stevens that seems to have been received some uh, white powdered substance, which it's really hardly anyone's uh, looked at. And we're starting to really look at that because we know that the Daxolahi substance was very uh, potent. It was uh, one trillion spores in a gram that had never, nobody had ever seen anything like that before in our country. And then there was the brown stuff. But in between, uh, one of our uh, investigators has discovered uh, a fact that apparently the Robert Stevens was seen in his office in Boca uh, Raton uh, with um, some white powder stuff putting it up to his face because he couldn't uh, see so well to read and that he was the first to die on October 5th. So there's a, a timing where this white powdered stuff seems to have been around earlier than actually, at least I thought it was, and maybe Mick can comment on that. Now as to whether uh this stuff actually killed people uh from what we gathered has i haven't seen death certificates about that but uh maybe mick can follow that up 
but uh, what was interesting to me, and again, we have to develop it, is that the uh, Stephen's death, that anthrax or his blood or whatever they could, really wasn't properly analyzed as far as the DNA. So I don't know if there's a link of his death, which was the first death reported on October 5th, with actually the, uh, the other anthrax. And it would seem to have been purposely not done by the Department of Justice. Maybe you can follow that up. Well, to speak to Tim's question, um, we hadn't had the question raised, Tim, before you raised it, of actually confirming the deaths by obituaries. I did see in my research some um, articles about the the hospital hospitalization of some of the victims. Their reports actually calls in to emergency rooms about their symptoms and when they died unfortunately shortly thereafter it doesn't take a long time to die from anthrax unfortunately and we do know that the alleged perpetrator uh dr bruce ivans died there is quite a bit of information out there on his death which is purported to be a suicide <clears throat> but now that you've raised the question i'll take a deeper look to make sure we have the documentation on the victims i will say from you know, my 28 years as a lawyer, given the the various sources I've seen in the media and the government reports, I would be surprised that these deaths in this particular case are not real. But I'm, you know, now that you've raised the question, I'll go back and look and see what we can find. Um, but it looks like they were real. I did read some per- firsthand testimony from a couple of the victims who survived but were infected. And so those appear to be authentic, unless, of course, they're fabricating their testimony. Okay. Yeah. Look, I, I'm not surprised by anything anymore. That's why I asked the question. I understand. Uh, yeah. David and I were talking a little bit, if we can go back and, a little bit back and forth so that people see what's going on here. David and I were talking about, you know, um, some of the information that came out about planes landing that allegedly went into buildings or crashed in, you know, Pennsylvania and all this other stuff. And so with that said, it it brings up the question of, okay, where did these people go who were on the planes? You know, what had happened to them? And we had a a gentleman who's just across, well, he's not even across the line. He's over here in Fort Mill, uh, South Carolina. He is, uh, he, I believe he had a daughter who was on board the plane that was shot down carrying Larry McDonaldson uh, years ago. And they were told all everybody was killed, and yet he's got all kinds of information that showed they're alive. The Russians took them, they they imprisoned them, they they tortured many of these people and all that, and they still believe it's very possible many of those people are still alive. So I, I asked that question with that regard. Now, David, one of the things that you and I talked about was the cleanup of the 9-11 deal, um, and that was orchestrated by none other than, drumroll, Robert Mueller. For people who don't know it. I mean, here is the the biggest crime scene that's happened on our soil. And it's just cleaned up in a matter of weeks. And all of that shipped off to, another drum roll, China, basically. I mean, the large bulk of it is shipped off to China. Nobody ever really got into investigation. We got all kinds of eyewitness testimony. Some of those people have already died. We know that Building 7, there's no way it collapsed. I mean... People could maybe buy the plane thing. They could, If they don't know building structure, they could probably buy the plane thing on the Twin Towers. No way WT7 fell on its own. And so 
what what was the conclusion that you guys came to as far as what happened with the twin towers? You know, a week before this anthrax stuff. Right. In reference to the uh, the twin towers, uh, actually, in reference to New York City. If uh, your audience goes on LC4FOR911.org, at the top of the home page, there are documents uh, that we presented with the grand jury petition. There's a lawsuit and there's the exhibits. Uh, what we have in those uh, exhibits are uh, statements from approximately 120 firemen that experienced explosions in the buildings. And uh, in total, 155. Uh, first responders, including policemen and emergency personnel. Uh, there's also a peer-reviewed uh, scientific report, very very sophisticated and well done, of, of four dust samples that were gathered in that area. And those dust samples under electronic microscope showed a substance called nanothermite, or these red-grade chips, which is a high-grade military explosive. Uh, we have in those exhibits a seismic report by Dr. Rousseau, who's uh, studied the uh, those reports, seismic reports, actually out of Columbia University. And they showed that uh, bombs had exploded in the basement area and in the building just prior to the planes hitting and just prior to the uh, buildings collapsing. And there's a, a lot of uh, there's videos in there. There's uh, statements from. Uh, various architects in there. Uh, one of the uh, really important things that the, uh, the public should know is that up to that time, a steel structured high rise had never collapsed because of fire, never. And the reason is, is if you think of say 4th of July and you're gonna go outside and you're gonna cook your hot dogs on the grill, that grill is not gonna melt, all right? And that's because the flames don't get hot enough to do that. Uh, in order to melt steel, it has to be around 2,800 degrees Fahrenheit, and uh, airplane fuel uh, burns at about 1,750, and office fires lots of times are only four or 500 degrees. So uh, even if it was, uh, you know, the jet fuel is the argument in the big towers, one and two, caused the buildings to collapse, you really need another 1,000 degrees to, to really melt it. In reference to building seven, there was no airplane, so no fuel, very low temperatures, fires just about out. So you would need another over 2,000 degrees to do that. Uh, the deduction is therefore something other than jet fuel and airplanes caused the building to collapse. Now, architects and engineers are really good at that, and they've concluded, as, as we have, that you can figure it out but you can't figure it out the way the government has. The uh, variable is bombs and explosives. They will bring the building down at free fall. These high rises are really built from the bottom up. So there's a lot of resistance. It's hard to crush the building down. You know, it may fall over part of it. It could, if I mean, if, if possible, but it can't because it, this, this couldn't melt. All That's right. right. The steel couldn't. Melt. Yeah, you so, you were you were making mention of it's the first building that's come down from a fire, but you know there's also been buildings that were hit by planes. I know there's some history on that, and none of them ever you know pancaked on top of one another. I mean, you got what a, over a hundred stories that just yeah. and you can watch it go down, and there's videos that catch little explosions that are happening before it comes yeah. down. So I, I think anybody who is who is giving it a fair read 
without the media narrative, without the government narrative, and they just watch it. I remember watching it and being amazed that it was doing that because I said, well, that doesn't make sense. It should be maybe a couple floors go and then, you know, the bulk of the building's standing, but a lot of it maybe falls over if there's some weakening of a structure. And I didn't know all the stuff that I know now about that, but that was my perspective as well. So when you get into stuff like um, the 9-11 deal, and then you get into the anthrax that happens basically a week later and just so people understand, we have brought up the the issue, and several people have, but it hasn't been at the forefront. And I'd like to get you guys' uh, thoughts on this. And Mick, maybe you want to you want to kick us off on this. But I know David, you and I spoke about it. This is the one thing that rarely gets talked about when we talk about nine eleven. And I wonder if some of these guys have anything to do with the anthrax thing, or what your perspective is. We were given reports on what's been termed as the dancing Israelis. Now, a lot of people you know, have seen the van. I've got articles here where there's a guy, uh, there's, an, there's an arrest of these guys. I mean, so it isn't like people are making this stuff up. This was going on. We've got um, an issue to where there was another arrest of apparently Israelis somewhere in New York. I think it was in New York or New Jersey. I forget which one. But there were two different arrests. It wasn't just these guys in the vans. And then these guys are let go. They're they're over. They're out of the United States. And they're appearing. This is an image here that I'm showing on for one of the uh, uh, articles that we have for people who are on the radio. These are some of the guys. These are part of the dancing Israelis. And you can go and you can actually see documents that were acquired by Freedom of Information Act, some of the images. Um, and I want to turn it over to Mick, but I know, David, you spoke about that, that there's possible manipulation of, of images with the, the dancing Israelis as well. Mick, do you have something to, to chime in? I'm, I'm not trying to put you on the spot here. Well, that's uh, okay. But uh, do you have something to say about that as far as what's going on here? Well, I can speak for myself from what I've looked at. Um, the Lawyers Committee hasn't taken a position on suspects yet on either the um, 9-11 attacks or the anthrax attacks in terms of the whodunit part, we're investigating both of those. We have submitted some information to the U.S. attorney in New York for the grand jury on the 9-11 attacks. We are familiar with what you're talking about, the arrest of the the Israelis on 9-11 who were then interrogated actually for months, I believe, and then released and I think there were some folks, again, speaking for myself now from what I've read, and Dave may have some additional insights into this speaking on his own behalf, but um, some folks in the FBI who had interviewed these uh, suspects uh, were, how shall I say, unhappy that they were released and allowed to leave the country before there was any sort of closure on what was going on there. Mick, can I interrupt just a second? Why were they unhappy? What, what were they finding? Well, I think they felt like there was some, and I, you know, I can't speak for them directly, but my reading between the lines in the FBI reports indicated that there was concern, some concern there may have been political interference to get these folks released and sent back to Israel before the FBI finished their investigation. And from what I've read, that concern seems to be legitimate. <clears throat> you know, I wouldn't have released them at the time because uh, there were still unanswered questions. And that's not an accusation. I'm just saying it doesn't appear that the investigation was finished 
before they decided to release them. Now, on the anthrax attacks, there hasn't been any public uh, release or report, to my knowledge, uh, openly public, of any sort of uh, suspects that had a tie to Israel. I will say that um, there is a document in the FBI vault and for those who don't know, there are a lot of documents the FBI has posted on their website. It's called The Vault, and there are different topics from different investigations. They include 9-11, and they include the anthrax attacks. There is at least one document that indicates that in 2000 and 2001, prior to the anthrax attacks, there was a request from Israel to the laboratory at Fort Detrick in Maryland, where Dr. Ivans worked which uh, did the research on anthrax vaccines, uh, requesting basically to acquire the Ames anthrax that later became known to have been involved in the attacks. Now, it appears from that document that Israel's request was denied. Uh, Dr. Ivans, now deceased, the suspect, did say in this FBI report, according to the FBI's summary of what he said, that he was not certain, notwithstanding the denial of that request, that um, that some anthrax may not have made its way. And it's it's a redacted document, so the blank where I think Israel would have been is blanked out. But I think he was saying, you know, he wasn't sure they there wasn't some mechanism for that anthrax to get to Israel, notwithstanding the, the denial of that request. And that's all I know about that, Tim. And it's still under investigation. Um, so I'll let Dave add, add what he has on that. But what, what Mick just said, uh, Tim, is, is really significant. It just came to our attention. Uh, and uh, probably most people in the whole country don't know that. That's a little incident that has to be followed up. Now, in reference to uh, 9-11 and the high fibers or dancing Israelis, they were spotted on top of that moving van filming supposedly both with a video camera and with with a camera and high-fiving each other uh what we tried to do in new jersey was to get the uh, photographs uh, that were developed by the state police down in trenton area and also to get a hold of the reports that uh, had to do with explosive residue in the van they took a police dog through that van what happened was that the lady uh, saw them. She was uh, called by a neighbor saying something's going on across the river. Uh, they're in New Jersey in high-rise apartments. And she takes her binoculars out to look at the towers around nine. And she sees these guys down below celebrating. Uh, because she has binoculars, she's able to get a license plate. And when her husband gets home, uh, he, she tells him they call the authorities. And they put an all-points bulletin out. That van was eventually stopped at three around 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Route 3 near the Meadowlands near Giant Stadium. And those guys were then taken in, and they were confined at Giant Stadium they, uh, temporarily. The state police had a facility there. And eventually the, the state police get a hold of those, uh, that, that film and those, uh, you know, those, uh, uh, they, at least the, the film, the blanket, et cetera. What we tried to do is get that unsuccessfully at the state level. Uh, we're going to try to do things at the federal level. But in reference to the, what Mick had just said, uh, that's uh, 
that's sort of new information. And and in reference to them being let go, that was Chertoff, who was then the person in charge to allow that to happen. And as Mick said, there were people that were in the FBI, at least our understanding, that were upset that they were left go after two months, the two months, especially when they none of them passed the lie detector tests, my understanding. And the stories didn't cooperate when they separated and they asked them, uh, you know, what, what was going on. The, uh, the story wasn't uh, solid. And as you mentioned, I think, or, or have we seen when they go back to Israel, some of them, they, uh, at least there's some representation that there was a Mossad involvement here, that uh, urban moving uh, systems, that, that company was very suspect. And the fellow that ran it, Dominic Souter, he was on the most wanted list for a while. He, he got wait, out wait, of wait, the wait, 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 wait. Well, who is this guy, Dominic Souter? Don, Dominic Souter, he owned or ran the company was a good question, who is he? But uh, this was urban moving system. And during that day, there was a van uh, in Pennsylvania, supposedly a similar van. There was one, I believe, up in Connecticut. There seemed to be a number of these vans uh, floating around. Dominic Souter, uh, he was, I think, initially questioned. They were gonna follow it up and he disappears. He goes back to Israel. Now, I don't know what his status is now, if that's all been cleared up. But he was actually on the most wanted list for for 9-11 at one time. And what's interesting, Osama bin Laden for 9-11, he was on it for the call. But Osama bin Laden wasn't listed as, at least to my knowledge, and Mick can correct me, on the most wanted list for, for 9-11 uh, officially. But Dominic Souter at one time was. So, Dave, you may want to uh, tell Tim, and I believe this is correct, correct me if I'm wrong, that Dominic Souter and his urban moving company employed the high fivers am i correct in remembering well, that's, that? that's 100 correct that's the link uh tim is that the dominic Souter was the the boss of those uh those uh moving guys that apparently maybe were not moving guys <laughs> they may just had the uh you know paraphernalia look like at least the van but uh well we have anyway. them we have them basically being confirmed uh, and i i'm pretty sure this is correct that these guys, at least um, most of them, if not all of them, are tied with Mossad, which then begs the question, when somebody like a Donald Trump gets into office and says he's going to take down the deep state, we know the deep state consists of a, lot, of, a lot, of a lot of people, a lot of players, a lot of people with money and stuff, that's for sure. But the United Nations has a play in that, and the Zionist state of Israel. And again, I want to be clear that I'm not saying I'm not singling out Jew, you know, Jews per se. I, I believe theologically, Jews are antichrist according to First and Second John. People can read that and they can see what John lays out for that. I'm not trying to attack Jews. I bring them the gospel because I love them. But when you're dealing with Zionists, this is a whole different thing. This is an occultism that's there. It's the same thing that Jesus dealt with when people go back to the New Testament and they read where Jesus says, you've heard it said, but I say unto you, he reiterates the law. He's attacking the oral traditions, which later would come out in a lot of this Zionism uh, that we see today. And so when, at least from my investigations if you can call them that, and my reading, a lot of these guys were tied to Mossad, which is nothing more than the, the, the Israeli version of the USCIA. So, um, Tim, let me just add something. Dave, I'm sure will want to add something. You know, the Lawyers Committee is um, 
nonpartisan in every sense of the word, politically, religiously, and, and otherwise. We just follow the evidence. If the evidence points to a certain group, you know, we'll follow it there. But we haven't made any accusations against any particular group, including Israelis or Jewish folks. Uh, so we're not singling them out. But the evidence we're talking about, about the the uh, what, what the FBI calls the high fibers, uh, they're admitted to be Israelis. They did admit to having backgrounds in, or the FBI at least acknowledged, they had backgrounds in either military intelligence or uh, military um, in terms of uh, explosives and other military um, training. So they're not uh, strictly civilian folks, they, although they may be civilian, may have been civilian at the time of their arrest. So I think they deserve further inquiry, but I would be cautious about overgeneralizing from that information to a particular group. The information I've looked at would suggest that there are people involved in the 9-11 crimes and the anthrax crimes that uh, are not necessarily Israeli. So uh, right. that doesn't rule out a role for Israeli people, which I think deserves further investigation. Yeah. I think, too, to follow that up, again, as an organization, uh, because we're nonprofit, we can't really get into the politics of things. But to uh, speak from my, uh, on behalf of myself, because uh, our organization has taken a position, certainly there's fingerprints of intelligence agencies on these crimes, from my perspective, would involve the CIA, certainly, like Mossad, possibly the Saudis, the Pakistanis, and the British. Uh, MI6. That's in my my estimation. Okay. In other words, there's a coordination between uh, various intelligence agencies at a very high level. Uh, again, we haven't uh, explored that to that extent. We're sort of still on the surface in reference, gathering the evidence and putting it forth. But to how it was all put together and who was behind it, I mean, uh, I, I think that if you know, we continue on. I think that's what you're going to find in reference to these anthrax attacks. What we found is that the uh, anthrax, one of the, the biggest cues that they were on the, the wrong path with Fort Detrick is that they, Fort Detrick did not make uh, the uh, white powdered uh, dispersible anthrax. They made a liquid anthrax. Who made mm. it uh, at that time was Battelle and or uh, Dugway were connected to it. And Patel had contracts, three of them, with the CIA, right there, right, mm. with, with the CIA for, for creating this anthrax. And it, it, that doesn't say that the CIA was involved, but that certainly uh, say that they would be uh, a likely suspect, not Bruce Ivins and Fort Dietrich scientists that don't make this stuff, right. but people uh, like Patel and Dugway who do are not familiar with it, and they have the connection with the uh, basically the CIA, maybe the beginnings of the deep state, as you, you were talking. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I'm going to be doing an interview with a good friend of mine. Uh, he, he is a Christian believer. I know a lot of people say when you're CIA, you're once, once CIA, always CIA. But, you know, Kevin Shipp has written several books. He believes the CIA actually attacked him and his family, wanted to kill them because he was blowing the whistle on them. I'm going to be doing a pre-record for him. We're going to have that next week. And I believe I believe Kevin is the real deal. I really do. I'm not easily snowed by people. I, I get what 
you know stuff goes on. But I believe Kevin is the real deal. I think he's he's a genuine Christian. Uh, but he has blown the whistle on the CIA and what they're doing. And I wanted to kind of bring that back. I don't want to use Jen Psaki's circle back here and stuff like that. <laughs> but uh, but I did want to come back to the issue of where your guy where you guys are going now on this anthrax issue. I want to bring up a little bit here for. Uh, people to see exactly what you guys are doing and uh, and kind of focus this on. This is your website. For people who are on Red State Talk Radio, it's uh, it's actually lcfor911.org. This is one I pulled up, and it comes for Lawyers Committee 49-11 Inquiry. I think you guys shortened that just to make it easy for people. Right. But they can, they can check out what you guys have. And under this anthrax congressional petition, you've got three different things here. I brought those up. Uh, people can be able to read what you guys have. Uh, are they able to sign the petition as well uh, on on this stuff to to help you guys advance some things as far as uh, what you're doing? It, because you know, look, there's some there's some people who've already commented in the chat. They go, "What good is all this information coming out about 9/11 or these anthrax attacks if nobody's going to do anything?" And I got to tell you guys, the last thing we need is another federal investigation of corrupt people to investigate the corruption. We need people who aren't corrupt, who really want to get at the truth, and who want to bring some people to justice. What would you say to people who say, what's the point of going through all this? Is this just another information dump that we're just going to get weary over, or are we going to do something about it? That's a pretty good question. So our approach is that we we do... Uh, intend to take action on what we're investigating. We're not just uh, a group that wants to talk about the issue. And I think that's one thing that distinguishes us. We have filed, we filed a a grand jury petition in New York with the U S attorney. And as many of your listeners may not know, every citizen has a right to report a federal crime to a U.S. attorney. And the U S attorney has an obligation under the federal law and a federal statute to actually give your report of a federal crime to a special grand jury. Now, in our case, we gave the U.S. attorney 50-some page detailed petition on the demolition of the Trade Center buildings, and with 50-some exhibits, a lot of scientific evidence like Dave described, and the U.S. attorney wrote us a letter back saying that he would comply with the federal statute that we had cited uh, imposing the obligation on him to give this to the grand jury, but months passed and we heard nothing. So Dave and I called the U S attorney's office. We spoke with the assistant U S attorney who had signed the letter to us and asked him point blank, you know, what's the status of our petition? Has it, has the evidence been given to a special grand jury? And he, he basically said he couldn't tell us. So instead of, you know, saying, okay, thanks. We filed a federal lawsuit against the U.S. attorney under the federal mandamus statute to force the U.S. attorney to give our evidence to the grand jury. And that lawsuit is is active right now. It's pending in the U.S. District Court in New York. So we're not just, even though I think public education and public information is a really important part of what we do because, you know, uh, it's hard to, to find to decide what strategy to pursue if you are a person of action until you are well-informed. So, you know, all of your listeners can decide after being better informed what actions they want to take. But what we're doing as a group of lawyers and investigators 
is we're trying to use the law and the Constitution to force government action on the evidence after we develop it. Now, that's a complicated task, and there's no surefire uh, sort of panacea, quick solution. It's a lot of hard work. It's like uh, Thomas Jefferson and others saying about eternal vigilance. You know, you got to keep working at it to try to create an honest government. And if you ever get to that point, keeping it honest, uh, we're attempting to do that. We can use all the help folks can give us and folks can sign on to our New York petition. We haven't put up something yet, I don't believe, where they can sign on to our anthrax petition, but they're welcome to send us an email and we'll make sure their name gets on the list when we do create that petition for additional signatories. Uh, We're also suing the FBI. I don't know if you know, Tim, that there was a second 9-11 commission in 2014, 2015. It was chaired by Ed Meese. It was called the 9-11 Review Commission. And the reason that got it created was Congress imposed a mandate on the FBI to look at all the new uh, 9-11 evidence that the original commission had not looked at. And there's a lot of it, including the demolition evidence. And it turned out that report was another whitewash. So we, we sued the FBI for not honoring the congressional mandate to assess all the 9-11 evidence. That lawsuit is now on appeal in the Federal Court of Appeals in D.C. Long story there. But we're trying to take action using the law. We wouldn't discourage people from taking other kinds of action uh, to try to help uh, you know, solve the same problem. Amen. Right. David? Some of that evidence that make reference to the 9-11 Review Commission, besides the, the uh, demolition evidence in New York City, had to do with uh, the dancing Israeli evidence, or at least the, maybe the destruction of those photographs, had to do with uh, the Saudi evidence, uh, their connection to the financing. It had to do with uh, photos from the Pentagon that no one's seen before. It had to do with... Uh, Plane parts. See, on plane parts, there's serial numbers. There's a lot of controversy as to yep. what planes hit what buildings, and if the uh, the like flight 77 actually was at the Pentagon, and flight 11 was actually building one, and flight uh, 175 United was actually building two, and flight 93 crashed in Pennsylvania. Well, you can figure that out if you have the serial numbers. But we've never seen any serial numbers to identify the planes. Okay, David, hold hold that thought. I want to close out with the radio audience, and then okay. we'll come back. Hold that thought. I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch it back over to you, people. You can check out uh, what David and Mick are doing at LC for. FOR911.org. You can check out what they're doing. If you want to support them, they have a way to do that. And again, you guys are doing what we talk about here. We we want to take talk radio and make it do radio, not just talk about the issues, but do something about it. We're going to be right back, you guys, on Red State Talk Radio. Join us. Sons of Liberty Media.com. Tomorrow see you. Okay, we want to welcome everybody who's coming over from Red State Talk Radio into the video platform. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you for your support and everything. And Dave, I didn't mean to cut you off, but we're running out of time there for the radio portion of the show. I'm going to have to cut off the uh, the phone lines here. Give me just a second. We're going to hear a little beep here and cut them off so I'm not talking over somebody in the next radio show. But do you want to continue your thought there about the serial numbers and stuff? I think that's very important that you've that that you know we can find. Um, a, a passport from an alleged terrorist 
that went through this blazing inferno, all this stuff falling down in New York. We can find a, a passport in pristine condition. It's not burned. It's not singed or anything. It's made out of, I don't know, Thor's hammer or something. And we can find that, but we can't find serial numbers on some, some airplane parts. You, you want to elaborate a little more on that? Right. With reference to the passport, I think there was one at the in New York City, but I think there was another identification was found at Shanksville, too. Uh, I mean, you point out, a, a, you know, that's a, a good point. Uh, it seems to be selective evidence sometimes that's being found and put forth. Now, there was another area of evidence that had to do with cell phone communications. As you may know, at that time, uh, over 8,000 feet, a cell phone couldn't communicate, basically, to the ground. Uh, and uh, the uh, there was a lot of cell phone communications at first, especially reference to Flight 93, but also uh, in reference to the... Uh, the flight 77 and uh, during the Masawi trial that sort of flipped around and the uh the cell phone communications became the air phone communications or they actually uh Barbara Olson's husband was told that uh, she really didn't call him although he talked to her and uh, he had said at least in the reports that I read that he had seen it was her because it was her number came up on his phone her cell number so uh yeah there, there was a there's a lot of evidence that uh uh, it's still to be gathered. Now, what what you were you're saying before, as far as uh, you know, what to do about this, and as far as to get involved with signing a petition. Now, when we started this out, we talked to a very prominent attorney, probably one of the most prominent in the country, and he told us he thought the uh, system was so corrupt that we really have to uh, the federal system that we probably wouldn't have any success here, and we'd mm. have to go elsewhere. One of the things, like you know, internationally. I think one of the things, though, that uh, you know, we have to try for ourselves. Now, if we get a, a positive verdict in New York City, that'll be a landmark decision. Uh, that'll mean that for the first time, a grand jury will be looking at evidence having to do with controlled demolition bombs and explosives. We are waiting for a while. In fact, Mick is, is drafting up something to uh, take it to the next level there because we've been waiting for a long time for the judge to make a decision. We thought last fall he would make a decision on that. Uh, and now speaking for myself, I believe, uh, Tim, I think in 1856, there was no Republican Party up to about that time. I think it was a new political party. I think Lincoln was the first presidential candidate. And a lot of people came together uh, from different, uh, you know, uh, factions, abolitionists and people that were wanted to have a uh, an economy based on industry and things of that nature, post the you know, slavery and things of that nature. Maybe. We're at that juncture in history now where all these uh, various people, very good people coming at it from a different point of view, perhaps, but all care about the United States and the Constitution and saying that no one seems to be representing the middle class, the poor people, the working people or the nation or the Constitution. Maybe it's time to really, really consider that as to where we're going as a nation at this juncture. Maybe that political party is somehow in the 9-11 movement of, of people. And like yourself and like us, that uh, maybe in the future we'll come together and and carry it to the day, you know, carry it forward. Uh, that's, you know, that's another option that we're not contemplating at this point in time. As Mick said, we want to follow up uh, our our talk with action. And that means taking it to the court and try to get some decisions there. And uh, maybe we'll get a good decision. Maybe a year from now you'll talk to us and we'll just be totally frustrated. Uh, we had a case that I don't want to go into in New Jersey that I thought we had uh, made good arguments. We won that case, but the appellate court 
uh, shut us down. That was trying to get those photographs and the uh, explosive evidence reports uh, from the state police. Hmm. Well, l- let me throw something in there. I, I want to get off on Lincoln. I'm a good old Southern boy, so I I think Lincoln was a tyrant. <laughs> okay, I'm, I just I know the history there. I know stuff he he let happen to his own men that he let happen under Sherman and. Hmm. All this other stuff. I know his unconstitutional action. I knew it wasn't nothing about slavery. He used that later as a cover for it. But but I get what you're saying. I don't think the issue, though, Dave, is is another political party. You know, we, we have one constitution. We don't have two or three. We've got one. It's the law. And this is sort of, you know, the thing that our minds get set on. Well, what can we can we band together as a political party? I think we just need to band together as the people and say, you know what? Here's the law. We point to the law. And we say, the law deals with these kinds of things. I was going to ask you before the show, and maybe Mick wants to speak to him. I want to give him equal time because I see, uh, Mick, you're, you're pumping the coffee there, brother. And, uh, and, <laughs> and, and, and Dave told me that you guys are night owls, so I don't want to keep you too long. But, you know, I, I don't care if it's George Bush or if it's the usurper Barry Satoru Obama Satoru Sabarka, all these guys, or if it's Donald Trump or if it's or if it's Joe Biden, you know, Donald Trump said he was going to open up the 9-11 stuff and he was going to really bring justice and stuff. And instead, all we saw was more corruption from him. We saw a giving away of our sovereignty. Uh, we, we saw his ties with Israel that were just, ah, if you thought he was taking down the deep state, you were sorely deceived. But, but the one thing that doesn't change is the American Constitution. And the guy who's supposed to bring justice is the president. He's the only guy in the Constitution who's mentioned here for that. Article 2, Section 3, he shall take care that the laws be faithfully executed and shall commission all the officers of the United States. And then in Section 4 it says, the president, vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, and other high crimes and misdemeanors. Misdemeanors is just the slightest infraction of the law. And then you go back, once you remove them, Article 1, Section 3, you prosecute them for that. And guys, I don't know what you, I, I think I get a sense of what you're, you're going for. You're just wanting to get to the, to the issue where you can start naming names and pointing fingers specifically from the documentation, if I, if I understand you right. But then the issue is not just to point them out and say, this is wrong, but to bring justice against them. Justice is what guards our liberty. And if we don't have justice, which we haven't really had in this country in a long time, we've had case law, we've had people thrown in jail, which is an injustice to them and an injustice to the American people who have to feed, clothe, and house them for however long they're up through their taxes. And if the people don't pay the taxes, well, then they're going to come take your stuff and they're going to throw you in jail with them. It's an immoral system. It's not, a, it's not one based upon, and I go back way before our founders of the Constitution, to those in the Mayflower Compact who said they came to set up something for the glory of God, and they pointed to the biblical law. God's law was just. His punishments were just. And they didn't infringe on the other people's liberty. Is this where you guys are... I get the sense this is where you guys want to go. You want to see some actual justice brought to these criminals who've been involved, whether they're at high levels or low levels, uh, against the people both in 9-11, the anthrax attacks, and all of the subsequent pretended legislation like the Patriot Act, the U.S. Freedom Act, which, again, Donald Trump, here's the guy that's championed of taking down the deep state. He just says, yeah, we need that stuff in place again and uh, puts it on an infringement upon the, the liberties of the people. This is where you're going, right? I mean, I want to hear that you guys say you want justice in the matter 
for the crimes committed against the people. Mick? Yeah, you're, you're right, Tim. <clears throat> when you look at our mission, which is not just transparency about the crimes of 9-11, but accountability, the accountability part is the getting justice part. And we're submitting petitions to grand juries, not because we just want an investigation to better inform people. We want people to be prosecuted for murdering 2,000 plus civilians in those building collapses on 9-11 and we want people prosecuted for the deaths that happened from the anthrax attacks. You know, in my experience in 28 years of being a public interest lawyer, trying to promote uh, government honesty and integrity, same for corporations, there are two things really that I found that can change bad actors. You can put them in jail or you can take away their money, take away their profit. Nothing else really gets their attention. And so, you know, we're, pursuing lawsuits with a longer term goal of exactly what you're talking about, which is, is justice, meaning uh, prosecution for crimes, uh, perhaps uh, removal from office of government officials engaged in misconduct. And the goal here is to expose what happened on 9-11, not only because the family members still deserve to get answers to what happened to their loved ones, and they do. But because those crimes led to the last, you know, 20 years of the endless war on terror Amen. and the erosion of our civil and constitutional rights. So the, the, the evidentiary trail is not as cold on 9-11 as it is on JFK, even though there are some good investigators on JFK still. And so we really think there is opportunity to to bring that uh, truth to light, not just as an academic exercise, but to achieve the sort of justice and accountability that you're talking about. Right. And in reference to what you're talking about, too, is, is it and what I said before is, I mean, we would like to see the, the bad guys in jail. Certainly. I mean, that's that's what we want to do. But to order to do that, we have to build our case. And that's why we do investigate and we take it into the courts. The question is, as I mentioned before, the courts that corrupt, that they that can't hear the case. Now, in overall analysis, uh, Tim, and again, this is maybe off the, off the mark a little bit, uh, but my assessment is that the sovereignty of individual nations are under attack by global powers. Yep. That's what's going on yep. at, at be, behind the scenes. And, and the global powers have their uh, their uh, tentacles into the both political parties, in my estimation. So you're, you're talking about people that care about the United States and the Constitution, which is what the, the United States is really built on, and the Bill of Rights in particular. And you have globalists that want to shred that and use it as toilet paper. They could care. They don't care anything about the, the Bill of Rights or the Constitution. So, uh, you know, to redirect uh, to what the problem is, at least in my estimation, you have to assess the the global interest here. Now, were there global interests involved in bringing this country down and beginning with 9-11 and putting the U.S. Patriot Act in and undermining the Constitution and continually to undermine the Constitution and continue to undermine the Constitution and our freedoms? Now, who's behind that? Uh, and that's that is what I would say is a deep state or a deep, deep state. 
But I don't think, uh, you know, what's at stake is, is the sovereignty and freedom of our nation. That's what we're talking about. So it, it, I guess we get involved for different reasons. Uh, my reason I get involved is because uh, these people are going to create a living hell on earth for everyone. And uh, we're seeing it right here in this country right now as it sort of unravels. Uh, and uh, we have to put an end to that unraveling. Yeah. Amen. It, you know, the Bible tells us that those who forsake the commandments of God, God says he'll turn that nation into hell. We're, I, I tell you guys, you know, I, I'm 52. You made mention of that a, a little while ago, David. I, I'm prob- I may be a little younger than you guys or something. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> okay, I, I remember, you know, growing up, in the 70s and as a young boy you know you could ride the bike through the the neighborhood no problem and everybody wants to keep their kids at home and i don't do that because we're out in rural south carolina but we do keep an eye on our kids and stuff but but the but the fact of the matter is probably in the last 20 years uh we have seen such a decline in america the infringements on our freedoms by the government the lies that are peddled in the media is be i mean at least you know, with Walter Cronkite, is is as liberal as the guy was. Usually, you could count on him to at least tell you some facts. There, right? You can you can you can't even count on that in the news anymore. We're seeing the degeneracy. We're seeing all of these things playing a part. And I got to tell you guys, I, I'm more than throwing somebody in jail. If you've been involved in something that has led to the deaths of people, uh, you get death. That's the way we used to do it. That's the way our forefathers used to do it. And it was a public execution, so people, other people learned, you don't do what this guy did. And I can cite tons of evidence from that, from history, as to how we dealt with real criminals who were convicted of crimes that were capital pun- worthy of capital punishment. Because again, I think the prison system is a part of this whole corrupt scheme. It's not justice. It's an injustice to everybody uh, even if you didn't have anything to do, if you weren't a, a family victim or anything like that. So I think it's an injustice here. And so I, I want to see, and I want to see you guys succeed at what you're doing. You're bringing up this anthrax stuff now, tying that in with the whole 9-11 stuff. And, and I'm wishing you the best. I'm, I'm hoping that God's going to use you guys uh, to kind of break this open. It doesn't take a lot of people. It doesn't take a lot of big people to do it. You know, we read David took down the giant with just slinging a stone, trusting the Lord that he would direct that stone. That he told the giant he was going to cut his head off, feed his carcass to the birds. I mean, this is the kind of men that we need in America now. Uh, with that said, I want to give you guys the last word. Uh, you, If you want to throw in something at the end here and also tell people where they can find out more about the work that you're doing. So I'll start and let Dave have the last okay. last, wor- last word. Um. I would, in closing, Tim, I would say that, and I'll speak for myself here, you know, what we're trying to do is is sort of like a Margaret Mead thing, the sociologist, where she said, uh, never doubt that a small group of dedicated people can change the world because that's the only way it's ever happened. Except in this case, we need that small group to probably be eventually millions of people. And I would caution everybody here including all your listeners, that the folks that Dave is talking about, the people behind the scenes who are committing these crimes, they are in the minority. There are, there are many more of us, meaning regular, honest, moral people, regardless of one's religion. I think most Americans are still honest and moral. 
and we are a majority no matter what political party we belong to and most of us still believe in the constitution so we have to be careful in allowing these behind the scenes folks and using their power through the media or through government to create issues that divide us so they can conquer us amen because if we if we hang together on basic principles like the constitution and basic morals uh, we can actually change the course of events for the better. But if we get distracted about our differences, uh, we're not going to get there. Amen. David? And, and, I, and I think in, in, our, in our way, we're all doing God's work in our way, in the sense that uh, this country seems to be under attack from very many perspectives. And at, at, at the higher level, it seems like it's, it's really a spiritual battle between good and evil. And uh, the crimes are very demonic to uh, blow 3,000 people up, to instant, to annihilate them, basically, to uh, begin this uh, their war on terror, which is really a war on the American people and the freedoms of people all around Amen. the world. If you can, uh, uh, we are our nonprofit and we depend on donations from the public we would like to uh, bring more people in, more attorneys, more investigators. We have other crime scenes to go and look at besides the anthrax, which we've done really good work on in New York City. But there's uh, other uh, government obstruction misconduct we would like to look into. Uh, there's Shanksville. There's the Pentagon. Uh, if you could help us, uh, go to LC4FOR911.org and uh, support our work. And uh, as Mick said, too, uh, in, in different ways, we can all support each other's work because we're all working towards the same goal. And that's to empower ourselves uh, and to power our country and to use the Constitution and Bill of Rights to help us do that. Thank you for having us on the show, Tim. Yeah, I, I thank you guys for, for being up early. And uh, I know you're, you're very busy and things. Thank you for taking the time and thank you for your works, words and your works. Uh, de- as George Washington says, deeds, not words. And you guys are putting your, your as the old preacher said, you're, you're putting uh, uh, the things that you say into shoe leather, as it will. You're, you're doing the work there. And, we, and I know on behalf of a lot of people who are listening, they're really appreciative that guys like you are going out there, you're investigating, you're still on the trail of these things, and you do want to see some justice brought. And so we appreciate that very much. If you guys will hang on after I close out the show here, uh, I'll say my goodbyes to you. Guys, uh, to, uh, tomorrow morning, 8 a.m., yeah, I got a, a wedding to attend. I got to walk my daughter down the aisle, but that's later in the day. But it's going to be a busy day. I'm going to be up at like 3 a.m. to get stuff out on the websites. And uh, But but I'm going to be here. And so is Kate Shimrani. I believe Dr. Kevin Shor- uh, Corbett is going to join us from the U.K. again and uh, give the updates on what we're dealing with with the tyranny that's coming down there. And folks, I really believe the tyranny that, that we're seeing with masks, with vaccines, all of this this alleged bioweapons of coronavirus, which hasn't even been isolated and proven, I believe that all stems back from what we're talking about this morning. They see they can get away with it in one area. They're just emboldened because nobody brings justice. We want justice because justice guards our liberty. If we don't bring justice against the criminals, we're not going to have liberty. That's it. That's plain as it can be. So tomorrow morning, 8 a.m., same bat time, same bat channel. You can catch us then. Till then, see you.